This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. When I go twerk, I go twerk hard. Throw it in a circle, blow my back out. Hey! Yo! Hey, yo! Okay, Stanley. You okay, you know what? If we you get your back positive. blown out, I'm happy that you are so progressive in that area. Whoa. You know, <laughs> whoa. I mean, yeah. Whoa. You know, my back is not getting blown out, but I support anyone who wants their backs blown out, all right? We are a sex positive podcast over here. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem, where you can hear Stanley Fritz, the PC on the engineers, the engineer on the PC ones and twos, Selena Hill, the queen of getting her back blown out. Of course. Stanley, don't put me in your mess. Do not put me in your mess, Stanley. No. I rebuke that. No. My mama is listening to Stanley, so. Not today. Not today. Tiffany with a good pension. Yes, that's it. Every time she comes in here, Mama Tiffany, she comes in here singing some kind of gospel song. This morning she was like, never would have made it without my pension. And then, of course, we've got a brand new friend in the room. His name is Justin. But I'll let him do his introduction later on when he puts some drip on there. And of course, <laughs> Fire Mariah with a hat she stole from 1997 Woo! from the set of Clueless. I love this. Yes. So, guys, we're here. Another week. Happy. We killed a bunch of Native American Day. Well, we Stanley, did you introduce yourself? I thought it said Stanley Fritz, the engineer on the PC ones and twos. Okay. Oh, you can follow me, guys, on Twitter. Or on IG at Stan Fritz. I got a burner account, and if you're cool, I'll give you the account, even though I forget to tweet from there. <laughs> well, thank you, Stanley, for that very colorful introduction of us all. Most of that was fabricated, FYI, but oh, I'm really? still what happy parts? a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm still happy to be here. My Guys, my name is Selena Hill on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me at Miss Selena Hill. And if you're listening live, I highly suggest you check out my Instagram story if you want to see me acting a fool yes. last night at Family Camp. Karaoke. It's the reason why my voice is this little <coughs> horse, as well as okay? <laughs> as well as why I had back spasms. So I wasn't <laughs> family at family karaoke. That is. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm yeah, sure. that's I'm yeah. Sure. It's I didn't stretch before I you know <laughs> got into it. When yeah. I shoot, you know, I I mean, all right, cool. <laughs> Nonetheless, I'm Tiffany Tiflis B. Mm. Um, <laughs> What's the B for? The Pension. Last, the Brown. Last, the last time you growled like that, like growled like that, when a woman was given an intro, it was problematic, Stanley. Uh-oh. Let's remember no, wait, that. when was the last time I growled like <laughs> you, that? You be doing a lot, but go ahead, <laughs> Tiffany. Wait, what did I growl for last time? So, <laughs> Tiffliz B, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at T-I-F-F-L-I-Z-B. Heard you. Yes, and yeah, I'm excited to be here. We have an exciting show, so yeah. Yes, and we also have with us Justin D. Jerkins. He is a writer and producer from Creative Tribe Media. And he's a longtime fan of Let Your Voice Be Heard. Welcome to the show, Justin. Thank you, guys. Excited to be here. What's going on? We are doing well. We have a great show lined up. We're going to be talking about why not only Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg and a lot of other white, moderate candidates running for president are lying MFers, as according Uh-oh. to The Root. Uh, there was a very scathing essay published a few days ago written by uh, Michael Harriet, and he talked about, he basically said Pete Buttigieg is a lying MFer, mm-hmm. and to me, that sort of like opens up the, the gateway for us to talk about why is it that white ma- moderates continue to pander and mm-hmm. they're not really trying to like court the black vote. It, it seems like they're just like speaking directly to a very white progressive base, and they're keeping people of color 
out of the conversation. So we're going to talk about that. And, and the fact that even if they're doing that, a lot of them are like doing really well in the polls. Yeah. Hence Joe Biden. So we have a light, a lot to talk about there. Uh, we also need to talk about what's going on with Gabrielle Union. Our girl apparently mm-hmm. got fired from mm-hmm. America's Got Talent. We need to discuss. And then another woman of color was actually brutally sexually assaulted and killed after she ignored someone being catcalled mm. yep. after she was catcalled so we have a lot to talk about and of course guys if you want to let your voice be heard you can do so by calling us up at 212-650-6903 or you can leave a comment live on our facebook uh page so if you go to facebook.com slash let your voice be heard we are live there please leave your comments and we will read them online I mean on air and you can also tweet us at be heard underscore radio and with that we're gonna go on a quick break don't go anywhere this is let your voice be heard and shout out to Darren Mack who's already watching Ebony Hickson who's watching as well and Don L We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Selena Hill, Tiffany Brown, and of course, just incredible. I just entered that nickname. Isn't it amazing? You're very welcome, kind sir. And listen, guys, we are here to have an action packed show, and we are doing it first with News Roundup. We talk about things that make you laugh, cry, curse, flip a table, or maybe Millie Rock confusedly. Selena, please anchor that News Roundup ship. <laughs> oh, thank you for that, Stanley. Yeah, so as I mentioned before we went on break, a lot of people are questioning why Gabrielle Union was abruptly let go from America's Got Talent, including her own husband, Dwayne Raid. He actually put out, I think it was an Instagram video where he was asking the, um, the executives at NBC what exactly went wrong. So we know that uh, reportedly she was uh, uh, talking about how there was problematic. It was like a toxic culture mm-hmm. and like things were problematic there. For instance, I think Jay Leno made a joke about uh, of somebody who was Korean. Mm-hmm. And then I think there was this young black 10 year old rapper mm-hmm. and they said, oh, he's not really going to work for the premise of this show, etc. Mm-hmm. So she was just using her position of power as well as her voice to speak out against things that were controversial and uncomfortable. Um, you know, Tiffany, what do you make of this? So it was like sad to see because I just feel like Gabrielle Union has been on like this high with they just had the baby and she's been really just like out there. I mean, she's always been a rapper. I feel like she's finally coming into her own and people are starting to really see like her magical self. But I was also reading like when the way that um, America's Got Talent worked, like everything kind of goes through Simon Cowell. So like mm-hmm. it was also just a culture of like he would just be literally smoking okay. on set, like in a room like this, just be puffing away smoking. And she's like, like I'm tobacco allergic to tobacco or marijuana, like cigarettes, oh. like just smoking cigarettes. And like she was complaining about that. And what really got me was how people were complaining about her hair mm-hmm. and saying that she was changing her hair too much and it wasn't really like connecting with the audience. And they would slip her and Julian Huff, which is another white woman who clearly was like, mm, I. I ain't got no problems. Like, that's Gabrielle Union. So, we see how our white allies do. Anyways, but I was really, like, frustrated because I'm like, I feel like so many black women, everyday black women go through this when it comes to our hair or just being too vocal and be, and sticking up. Like, and you saw that she wasn't even sticking up for, like, quote-unquote black issues. She voiced her concern when it was, like, the Koreans or this young black yeah. kid. So, like, you could just see, like, she was just aware, like, no, this is some crazy stuff that you guys are doing. You can't be perpetuating these sort of stereotypes. Right. Justin, what's your take on this whole controversy? Well, I mean, Nick Cannon kind of warned us about NBC already mm-hmm. when he used to host it. Um, also, we had um, 
the NPC protected Matt Lauer for how many years, and he right. came out all his issues. So it's no surprise that it happened. It's just unfortunate that black woman still has to go through this. I mean, it's reports that they're saying that your hair was too black. Mm-hmm. And that actually started a movement on Twitter. Um, people showing support, a lot of actresses showing support to Gabrielle Union. Um, so I think it's always going to suck, but then when it's a learning moment, NBC will be held accountable ultimately. And it's actually talked that she might go ahead and, like, seek legal action against Get bad girl. Yeah. <laughs> Stanley? When you work in white spaces, you got to expect some white stuff. And that white stuff might might differ depending on what part of the spectrum of whiteness they're on, but it's going to go down. So when I heard this happen, I wasn't surprised. Right. This, this is a white-run institution with a whole bunch of high-powered white people who are deeply motivated by money. Mm-hmm. And if you do something that makes them feel uncomfortable, they have the, the cash to slip it under the table, eat a lawsuit, do one or two like press conferences or events where they have a diversity expert there mm-hmm. and then it goes right away until the next issue pops up. Because really NBC should have been canceled when they found out that they was defending Matt Lauer and he had a, a remote lock where you could lock the door from the inside and people couldn't get out. Right. We really shouldn't have been looking at them after that, but we're still here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so yeah. Well, Ebony Small, she actually just chimed in on our Facebook. She says, uh, Nick Cannon sure did warn us. I mean, when will we, you know, get the note? But I feel like when it comes to uh, uh, black entertainers, especially those in Hollywood, you have to take, you know, the opportunities given because they don't, they're like far and in between. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, we want to cancel NBC. But then again, how many people will lose jobs? How many people of Mm -hmm. color actually work behind the scenes in the production room? So it's like if we don't support these large institutions, then we're going to, it's going to affect us like there's going to be some backlash um so you know just moving things along uh, i mentioned before we went on break about ruth george she was a university of illinois a college student she was 19 and she was reportedly killed after she ignored a man's cattle calls Mm. in a parking garage uh this is a new story that is definitely um breaks a lot of people's hearts you know she was an indian american woman a woman of color um and, and you know stanley I remember you telling me on the call that you were actually hearing people defend her murderer. Well, yeah. So, I I mean, I don't know. I saw some ridiculous comments on Twitter and on Facebook. And one of them was a guy said, yo, I'm not defending him, but saying hi goes a long way. And that is really problematic. And... It doesn't matter what she would have said because she would have been in danger. It doesn't matter what women say. Women shouldn't have to say anything if they don't want to say anything. But... When they, when they asked the killer why he did it, he said, because, like, she rejected my advances. She mm-hmm. didn't talk to me. We got a serious problem when, when men mm-hmm. are reacting to rejection this way. We got a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Tiffany, you know, as a, a woman yourself, how does this make you feel? I think I tweeted it after I read that story. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm really going to buy a stun gun. And the first time of pushback, I'm zapping y'all. And then I'm going to run. Zap them. Like, I feel like that's the, that's the state that we are in as women because no one is teaching men to respect women's nose. And they feel entitled to our bodies and our conversation. It gets to the point even when, like, some a guy does say Good morning to me. I'll say it back, but I, I make sure I say it in a tone that he kind of could pick up. Like I don't want any further interaction with you, yeah. and even then, that doesn't go the right way. I mean, you know, go far because this guy he followed her off the train and into the parking garage. So it was like at that's like at least like thirty minutes or however long where he could have like clicked in the side like let me leave this girl alone. And he's like no because he felt that entitled to her time and her space. And I feel like no woman should have to feel like, oh, I have to get a stun go, I have to get maced, or I have to take defensive classes because men are not being taught to respect women. 
Justin, you know, so it turns out that the alleged murderer, he had just gotten out of jail, I think, December 2018. He had did two years of a six-year prison sentence um, and, you know, back on the streets and, again, you know, committing a crime, this time against a woman. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to look at the system, the justice system, when it comes to that. I mean, two years out of six years. What I think he wanted to hurt someone, he's going to hurt someone regardless. Um, I just think that was what triggered him. So, again, you have to look to see why he got out for only serving two years. Um, what kind of what was the process like? Why was he back on the streets? Uh, so, yeah, I think it's an unfortunate situation. But men have to hold their friends accountable. And a lot of times you have men who know is wrong, but when their friends are even like you said, uh, Tiffany, when you know that they might continue to pursue you, they have to have their other friends say, yo, chill out. Mm -hmm. And they don't do that a lot. They laugh, they joke, they keep it moving. So until men hold men accountable, uh, this problem is going to just keep growing. Yeah, that's a great point. I know Stanley wanted to chime in. Yeah. I just wanted to jump in real quick to um, pick up on a comment about the justice system. Uh, I just want to say prisons do not work. Mm. Putting people in prisons do not work. The problem with this man who viciously assaulted this woman, that goes much deeper than that in our prison system. Not 11 times out of 10 make issues with people 15 times worse. Mm -hmm. And, like, we really need to address that. And, like, we can't look at prison as a way to deal with any problems. Selena? You know, speaking of people in prison who are not being rehabilitated, Bill Cosby oh. came out <laughs> very recently <laughs> saying that, pop? again, he has oh, no God. remorse for uh, allegedly victimizing, what, up to 60 women. He was only convicted yeah. for one woman uh, for uh, giving her Quelo and then... Uh, Quelo, thank you. I said Quelo, I'm sorry. A Quelo <laughs> and, um, you know, raping her. And he said, look, I didn't do it. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's been comparing himself to political prisoners. I read in a previous interview, he likened himself to N Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, and even uh, Gandhi. And I'm like, wow. no one is targeting you for yeah. your 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 political and social views that's just not the case there you're not a freedom fighter and on top of that the respectability politics and that rhetoric that he was pushing a few years ago like that's why i think a lot of us in the black community are kind of like look bill you need to do your time and take a seat because like you can't play the race card now when a few years ago you were telling black people Pull up your pants and stop naming your kids Shaniqua and um and like and whatever. Like I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of hypocrisy, and he he just he's not feeling any type of redemption. We talked about this a little bit on the call too, Selena, <laughs> and I was saying that Bill Cosby is five thousand years old. I wish that we <laughs> didn't have to put him in a prison, but he refuses to. Where should he go, Stanley? No, I mean like. We need to reimagine how we hold people accountable. But Bill Cosby yeah. does not want to be held accountable. So it's like you ha really have no other option but to put him in a prison. Right. Uh, something happened to him a long, long time ago, maybe in the 1800s when he was born, that made him think that he could <laughs> victimize people like Stanley. this. And? <laughs> True. Yeah. Listen, I got the young drip still. When I get old, <laughs> I'll think about ageism. But no, um, like Bill Cosby is like somebody, he was victimized as, young, as a young child, and now he's a monster, and now he's in the system, and he's in there because of himself. Yep. Um, you know, Tiffany, before we give you uh, time to give comments, so Ebony Small, she chimed in. She said, Bad Bill is back at it again. I can't with him. <laughs> Tiffany? I like that. Bad Bill. Um, I definitely think Bill Cosby is probably operating under the thinking that, like, everybody was doing it back in the 60s and the 70s. Yeah. And why am I the only one being held accountable? So, in his mind, that is some sort of, like, political yeah. prisoner sort of ideology, which is really not. But... 
I feel like Bill Cosby, he's gonna he's gonna die on this hill of that he didn't do anything wrong and that he was really just trying to uplift and you know help the black community even when he was shaming us to tell us to pull up our pants and stop naming our kids Shaniqua and this mm-hmm. that and the third. But I also do think I feel like a lot of black progressive or young millennial progressives are like leery of Bill Cosby, but like people who are my parents' age, they might be also subscribing to like he's been targeting because you know he's about to buy ABC or NBC. one of those shows. <laughs> like, that you know. hasn't been corroborated. <laughs> no. Right? No, no, he was never gonna um, buy. Yeah, no. I mean, I know that, but I kind of feel like it's you a know, conspiracy. Justin, where do you stand? Well, I mean, he's maintaining his innocence, you mm-hmm. know. And like Tiffany said, when you think that you're innocent, and we're and people are saying no, it was wrong, but you said well, everyone else did it. And then now all of a sudden you're going to pull that mm-hmm. black card. And he's not the first person to do that, mm-hmm. kind of disassociate himself with the black community until mm-hmm. he needs to now say, I need your help. I need you guys to stand by me. So like he said, Bill Cosby is how old he's set in his ways. He's in prison. He's never going to change his mind. And he's always going to say it was fine because it was back then. Times change. Mm-hmm. Right. So I just wanted to chime in. So John Mermelstein, he left a comment on our Facebook Live uh, agreeing with Stanley's statements a few uh, minutes ago when we talked about the man who was charged with killing mm-hmm. a, a woman for after catcalling her. John says, saying this guy should have served the full six years seemed like the wrong response to this tragedy. And I did want to thank you, John, for the last comment. I did want to throw it back there because honestly, like I had like a really controversial and conflicting view about that guy, too. Talk right. The truth. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So let me just like divert real quick. So there was another incident that happened in Alabama. There was a black sheriff who was shot down by a white, like a white teen, a white 18 year old who happened to be the son of a deputy uh, sheriff. Mm -hmm. And after he killed this black sheriff who had an outstanding reputation in his community for like decades, um, people in black people in that community were saying, we need to play, pray for the sheriff's family, but we also need to pray for the killer's family. And when he you said that, to piss me off no, 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 he said that he's black. And then it reminded me of when Dylan Roof shot those uh, praying church, church members. Mm-hmm. They were saying, well, we got to pray for him too. And then again with Amber Geiger, yep. we were saying, we got to pray for her. And to me, when I was thinking about this, I'm like, people always want to pray for my, white murderers. Mm-hmm. What about this black man who was just released from prison, who uh, allegedly sexually assaulted and killed Ruth George? What, or should we pray for him too? Well, Where's that same compassion? Where's that same energy? That literally was my response. That was your response? Yeah. Um, well, you know, like let me let's differentiate a couple of things first. What's happening in Alabama? What happened after Dylan Roof? What happened after Amber Geiger? In my opinion, I'll say is a lot a lot of like southern slave mentality of like being paternalistic to white people because mm-hmm. white people are too weak and frail to be held accountable, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. and it's not healthy and it's and it's inappropriate. Um, you can have grace for people. You should have prayer for people. But people like prayer doesn't like forgiveness and grace doesn't come without accountability. Mm-hmm. And when people refuse to be held accountable or actually fight. Being t- being held accountable like Amber Geiger did, yeah. um, and like Dylan Root didn't care about, then you don't need to give them grace. So that's very problematic. Now this man over here, as a black man going through the system, the system inherently and purposely ignored all the warnings and the signs to help this man before we got to this point. Mm-hmm. So what you're seeing is somebody who the system didn't fail. The system performed exactly the way they wanted to. Yep. He goes into a prison. Probably it's traumatized even more. Comes out with a whole bunch of other issues now, and he takes all this feeling of powerlessness and probably like just like 
years of needed therapy out mm-hmm. on this innocent victim. So now you have two people victimized and two generations at minimum who have been impacted. And that has uh, everything to do with racism. It has everything to do with sexism and patriarchy and the way that it impacts the lives of black and brown people. So. No, I mean, Stanley, well said, uh, you know, I definitely feel that. And I've always felt a conflict because I feel like the society, our society shows so much compassion towards mm-hmm. those who happen to be white right. and commit atrocities. Um, and, and I feel like when it comes to black men, you know, you know, we're the first almost some, a lot of times, the, you know, we help we hold our own accountable. And mm-hmm. if we don't, the system does yep. and they will throw them mm-hmm. under the jail. Black yep. people are not allowed to be nuanced. That's why right. yeah. it's, it's like you have to be. This is who we are. That's why we're not giving grace. And white people, they're nuanced. They have feelings. There was this thing going on. Billy wasn't hugged. Sally Mm -hmm. didn't get along with her dad. But when Tiffany or Stanley do something, it's because we're animalistic and we're savages. And we have all bought into this oppressive, colonized idea about black and brown people, too, which is why we have to work on our own colorism and anti-blackness. Yeah, Yeah, well, well said on that. I know we do have to take a quick break. But, um, Tiffany, I did want to just give you a few seconds just to chime in. I mean, what we were just talking about was really heavy. Um, I really think what Stanley said was right on the nose. And I think oftentimes it does feel like black people are harder on each other because we feel this notion that we have to live up to a certain standard. And then we do a bad act. We want to make sure like, no, we are trying to hold each other accountable. And that accountability means jail or prison and things like that. But like Stanley said, we have to unlearn a lot of these negative behaviors that has been ingrained in us and seems to be normalized in us. And I do think it's unfortunate that this young man went down this path and killed this young woman. He needs to be held accountable. But I think it also can be both. And I like a lot of people don't realize it can't be both we want him to be held accountable but also understand that this brother needs help as well and the accountability is not solely based on sending him back to prison for now for the rest of his life most likely on that note we do have to take a quick break but don't go anywhere when we come back we're talking about all the mediocre white moderate men running for president this is let your voice be heard We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you were just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm deep in my petty bag, mad at these average white moderates trying to get some clout with the Negroes and they failing hard body. If you were just tuning in, I'm here with Selena Hill, (laughs) Tiffany Brown, and of course, Just Incredible. And if you ever forget our most amazing intern, her name is Faya Mariah, and her fashion levels are drip beyond drip. So, guys... We are here because we are really aggressively annoyed by a white moderate named Pete Buttigieg. Or maybe I am the one who is aggressively annoyed by Pete Buttigieg. But anyways, what you should know about Pete Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg is a white man who came out of the closet four years ago, um, and he is the mayor in South Bend, Indiana, a town that has about 90,000 people in it. So pretty much there are more people in the assembly district of East Harlem than there are in South Bend, Indiana. But whatever, not relevant. Pete Buttigieg is running for president because reasons, and he can do that because white. And while running for president, he has really started to attack some of the more progressive candidates like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. But Pete Buttigieg has really been ticking people off. And then he recently ticked off a lot more people, people with the melanated skin, when he had some comments to make about poor black kids growing up in poor black communities. He feels like they are not succeeding for a very particular reason. And these are some things we have heard from our ashy friends who just came out of prison that don't have a clear analysis. But now this is a white man saying it in a, in a panel full of other white men talking about poor black kids. I'll put the clip on for you right now. You know, the kids need to see evidence that education is going to work for them. Right. You so go. you see a lot of parts of That's town. That's part of the motivation. Yeah, because you're, you're motivated because you, you, 
believe that at the end of your educational process there's a reward, there's a stable life, there's a job, and there are a lot of kids, especially the lower income minority neighborhoods, who literally just haven't seen it work. Uh, there isn't somebody they know personally and I think that's uh, who testifies to the value of education. So yeah, you bet. So yeah, that was Pete Buttigieg's comments. You heard it here first, poor blocks. You have never seen a successful person in your ghetto. That's why you don't want to go to college. When I was growing up in East New York, Brooklyn, and living next door to a doctor, and growing up in Brownsville, and living next door to a nurse and to a lawyer, I thought to myself, what does success look like? Because this nurse and doctor may have a degree, and maybe nursing and doctoring and lawyering, but that's not really a good example. I need a white man to show me the way. And that's what I went looking for. Selena, what did you think about the comments? Okay, so just the comments itself, I mean, extremely problematic. I mean, I get it, Pete May, uh, Mayor Pete made these comments back in 2011. But again, he has had so much education. He's had the, you know, the best of school, the best of privilege, the best that privilege can bring you. And still, I think that he was like lying by omission. The fact that you did not acknowledge systemic racism and how that plays a role in into education and equality. I mean, he knows better than that. And in fact, um, there were some statistics that were uh, brought up in the article that we're going to talk about. Um, so so uh, Michael Harriet from The Root, he pointed out that the major- majority minority schools received $23 billion less in funding the majority white schools. And in fact, black students in Indiana, where Buttigieg was mayor, um, <laughs> they get disciplined more harshly than white students. And on top of that, the unemployment rate for black college graduates is twice as high as it is for unemployment, the unemployment rate for white grads. So it's not just the fact that, oh, you don't see, you know, black people don't have role models in our communities. No, there are systemic barriers of oppression that have, you know, excluded us from getting access to to capital, to education and just quality of life. And at the time that he made these comments, Barack Obama was president. That was the biggest and greatest role model black kids have ever seen. And I still remember this four-year-old black child knew the president, knew the name of the president during his administration. And I was like, wow, when I was four years old, I didn't know who the president was. But every single black child knew Barack Obama. So, yeah. All right, Selena went and got in her bag, too. <laughs> Period want- poo over yeah. here. For real. <laughs> I'm going to close my agenda. <laughs> so, like, again, Barack Obama was the president at the time. Hussein and I think O'Drama. Barack Hussein, okay, got me sounding like a Trump supporter when they say the middle name. But anyways, <laughs> um, at that roundtable, I think that was like a Tea Party roundtable that he was sitting at when he made mm-hmm. those comments. So it also goes to show you the thinking of Pete Buttigieg to me, because how can you say this when we have the first black president? And we also saw like the rise of the Tea Party because it was direct response because of Barack and his blackness and being in office. And I think it also goes to show you that he's have you ever learned anything about black history, how we fought for like Brown Board of Education and things like that, or how we had to fight for desegregation of schools. So to say that we have no role models or we don't value education or we don't care about education is an outright lie. And it just goes to show you how much you don't know about black people and our history and our history as it pertains to slavery in America. Oh, so, so y'all big yeah. mad about this, Justin? <laughs> well, hold on, Justin. Before you continue, one of your friends commented, Garrick Wade, mm-hmm. he said, in my neighborhood, that's true. Where I'm from, that's exactly what happened. Progress wasn't promoted. Is he right? Um, he's right in a way, but I, I believe that it's always, it's never a good idea for four white privileged men to talk on issues they know nothing about. Um, so even with Mayor Pete, he, he had come back from so much, he has so much education, but it shows the, the difference of education and what he was taught. 
So he's hailed at this very smart person, but he wasn't smart enough to know that that wasn't a good statement to say. Um, so it's never a good idea for them to talk on our issues without, going back to what Selena says, bringing up racism. So when a conversation doesn't start with racism, you can't put the blame on our lack of enthusiasm when you have a, the first black president in office. No, absolutely. And I mean, to me, why wasn't an expert in education, particularly communities of color, invited to that table? Like they were just sitting there pontific um, pontificating. Pontificating? Yes. I mean, maybe there wasn't an expert. What happens in a lot of progressive spaces, in my experience, is they'll bring in a white expert to talk about an issue that directly impacts communities of color. That's, that's pretty much par for the course. But we do mm -hmm. have a caller on the line. Michael, please let your voice be heard. Uh, hi, my name is Michael. I'm from Staten Island. I'm also an Army veteran, a big supporter of Bernie Sanders, um, and a better, uh, a white veteran supporting uh, uh, Black Lives Matter and uh, people like Colin Kaepernick. And one thing I've noticed is that you have so many white candidates like Peter Buttigieg, Joe Biden, who are running on these platforms that they're all for helping minority communities when their history is the exact opposite. Uh, Joe Biden supported the 1996 crime bill, which was a complete disaster for minority communities, especially the black community. Pete Buttigieg is just, um, I feel he's out of touch with minority communities because he never really been a part of them, uh, uh, been dealt with them. Um, Bernie Sanders, you have a candidate who has a long track record of being part of the civil rights movement, understanding what minorities go through, especially with the systematic criminal justice, uh, systematic racism and a criminal justice system that has failed the, the communities, as well as an education system that has been so uh, underfunded only favors white community just the way it's been. And yet they, these people, uh, these white centrist candidates call all these experts and telling people how it is and saying that they know better when they really don't. Mm. Michael, thank you very much for your comment. I wanted to um, just bring it in real quick, see folks have any reactions to that. Yeah, no, I mean, for the most part, I, I definitely think that I agree that, you know, white moderate candidates are either pandering mm -hmm. to, you know, the black base and, and trying to court black voters because, you know, we're important and everyone understands why uh, black voters are so important and crucial, especially when it comes to the 2020, um, the 2020 election. But to me, I think you have to really walk it like you talk it. Like, we want to see those receipts. We want to see your stats. We want to see your, your history and what is it that you've been doing in our communities. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, I really appreciate that call. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, mm -hmm. thank you very much, Michael, for calling in. If you guys want to call in with a question, concern, no curse words, our number is 212-650-6903. Again, that's 212-650-6903. Um, and I want to make sure we just, you know, kind of like make sure we're pushing this story forward. But after Pete Buttigieg said that, Michael Harriet of The Root wrote a, a piece called Pete Buttigieg is a lion MFR. And in there, he said something that really stood out to me. He said, Pete Buttigieg doesn't want to change anything. He just wants to be something. Mm -hmm. I want you guys to sit on that comment for a little bit as we go on this quick little break. But when we come back, I want to ask a question is, why are so many people so obsessed with these, with these white moderates? Pete Buttigieg is soaring in Iowa. Joe Biden still has a strong block of black support, mostly from old black voters. People like them. What's happening? Hey, hey. Some
All right, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you were at a party and someone calls themselves a white ally, but they don't play Juicy J or Gucci Mane, they are probably lying because they got to play the music to make you feel comfortable. And if they don't know what burr means, then they are definitely trouble. This is Stanley oh Fritz. I'm gosh. here with Selena Hill. Of course, Tiffany Brown and Justin Credible. Fire Mariah's on the PC ones and twos, but on the phone and on cameras, making sure you can see us clearly. And I want to say I am very happy to be here today. I want to shout out everybody who's watching on Facebook Live. Garrick Wade, Julian Hoffenberg, Sharon Mills, B.B. Mendez, Mark Neri, Nadia Stevenson, my big sister Florentine, Fritz, all the way from St. Martin. Thank you guys for tuning in. And I want you guys to know we are having a great conversation about white moderates and why it seems so many people likes them. Pete Buttigieg, a guy I think we all in here just express that we had some not so great feelings about is surging in the polls in Iowa and New Hampshire. Granted, those states have about three black people combined in each of those <laughs> regions, so that might explain it. But Joe Biden, in the most recent poll, still has 43% of black people supporting him, or at least black people that were polled supporting him, which means your mama, your auntie, probably your grandma, and that one dude that claims he's a progressive but doesn't know anything about politics and thinks that Joe Biden is progressive. But they're supporting him. Why? Justin? Uh, because they miss Obama, I think. He's, yeah, I think he's, <laughs> you know, the effect of uh, Obama is still rubbing off on Joe. He mentions it a lot during the debate, you know. And you know, we, we created the memes. They had their little bromance. Everyone loved Joe, you know, Joe Biden. So Uncle Joe, exactly. Which is so terrible. At this uh, yeah. So that's definitely has helped him. Is going to help him until people realize he's not Obama. Um, really listen to his policies. Still look at his history, his track record. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, you know, that's all they're going on. Yeah. Um, I think it's the devil that they know. And uh, Warren and Bernie probably makes them feel uncomfortable because they are just not familiar with socialism or socialism-like politics. So I think it's up to us as black millennials to really push our parents to get into that realm. Oh, wait. How was Thanksgiving? Oh, Thanksgiving was fine. My parents, no. My parents don't play those games. (laughs) (laughs) They're not team by No, no. (laughs) She's like, they better not be. No, exactly. At least I haven't expressed it to me yet, but... Anytime my mom goes to vote, she always asks me who to vote. I'd be like literally in the booth with her picking out her candidates. But anyways, That's legal. Sorry, I was like, <laughs> hey, Hold up. hey, listen, I just I'm just offering recommendations. <laughs> so allegedly, I, allegedly, right, allegedly. <laughs> right. So um, I think they're just used to those sort of candidates. Those are the candidates you normally see mm-hmm. that comes to like your local like parade or you know who are who has attached themselves to like black candidates. So I think it's just a familiarity. And I feel like most people, they don't always get into the weeds of policies or politics of the person. They just kind of know, like, name recognition. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of times they just, oh, Joe Biden, Obama, you know. So I think it's easy to associate those two. I don't really understand why people to Jack is um, polling, but I'm pretty sure that has a lot to do with the LGBTQ white community. That's probably pushing up those numbers. So, yeah. Selena, I got a bit of an edited question for you. Why do moderate candidates resonate with more with black voters than Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders? I'm glad you asked. And the reason (laughs) is, I think, you know, you know, to Tiffany and Justin's point, Biden, he's safe, he's familiar. I think one factor is the fact that when you have um, candidates who've spent decades in the black establishment in those Mm -hmm. spaces, I'm talking about the black church with prominent black leaders like Obama and rest in peace, uh, Elijah Cummings. Mm -hmm. I think that it it creates this familiarity that just makes us feel more comfortable. Also, number two, I think that to your directly to your question, I think that, you know, I'm not sure if black voters, especially older black voters who are less optimistic about revolutionary change, believe that someone like Warren will actually be able to execute all of these plans Mm -hmm. and big ideas. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, Warren has is someone who endorses reparations. Do black older folk think that she's going to do that? Absolutely not. In 2008, my great uncle, who is about 90 years old today, told me he did not vote for Barack Obama in a primary because a black man would never become president mm -hmm. in his United States. He is someone who lived through Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. He is someone who grew up in North Carolina, and he is someone who has who has experienced decades of segregation and systematic oppression and racism that we as millennials cannot d directly relate to on a firsthand experience. So I think that when someone comes in and be like, look, I'm going to give y'all $1,000 a mm -hmm. month, or I'm going to create reparations, and, and I'm going to support HBCUs, they're like, I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. Let's be pragmatic, because at the end of the day, they have more on the line if Republicans come into office and they want to vote for someone who is safe and who they think can beat Trump. Damn, Slim, you, that was a bar. She came prepared mm -hmm. this week. Yeah. It's funny because <laughs> B.B. <laughs> Mendez, one of, our, one of our favorite listeners here, she said, Joe is a no for me. I know B.B. well enough to know that she does not trust anything that Joe Biden has to say or offer to the game. I know Tiffany well enough to know that she thinks the same thing. Mm -hmm. Can white moderates be trusted by communities of color? No. Justin. Oh, Damn. sorry. <laughs> Go, Justin. <laughs> no, I mean... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Drop the gun there. <laughs> I wonder what Tiffany thinks. <laughs> right. I mean, we can only hope so. Um, but what is trust when it comes to politics? Mm -hmm. I think you have to look at when it is moderate. They are kind of walking that fine line of bipartisanship. So people have to remember that we might have to take some L's because mm -hmm. they have to now work with Republicans. And we see this power struggle that's going on. So mm -hmm. we will ho I hope that we can trust them. But I kind of agree with Tiffany. But the stakes are so high that... I don't think they will have our the black community's best interests at heart. We're talking about trusting white moderates. I barely trust white people. Okay. White people got to work real hard to get my trust. Okay. Shoot. Like, you think I trust Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders? Hell no. They're white, which means they're inherently problematic, mm -hmm. and which means that they are more likely than not to side with what they think will help their people than it will help us. White people have historically done this. But let me get out of my bag. This ain't about me. Tiff, <laughs> can we trust white moderates? Absolutely not. And I feel like t with whatever election it is, I think they show them themselves when anytime there's a police shooting I think they reveal themselves I think us saying that we can trust white moderates especially in this election when the stakes are so high I think it's flawed and I think we really have to depend on our elders to be like listen I know you I see you young white millennial you got a lot of faith in these white people but these white people have taught me something different okay because, like your great uncle that lived through Jim Crow mm -hmm. and all these other you know things I just feel like we cannot be so naive to think that we can trust white moderates. I do think we are in a position to hold white moderates more accountable because a lot of them are talking about reparations and, you know, police brutality. But I don't necessarily think that should be translated or confused with trust because the moment that they can let us down, mm -hmm. they, they will, will let us down. <laughs> and I think we need to understand they always that. always do. Selena? I agree, but I'm going to push back a little bit because, honestly, I don't think any politician can be trusted. Right. Obama was moderate. Did we trust him? No. So, yes, maybe <laughs> no. Look, the nature of politics as a system is corrupt and dirty. Any person that gets into this game, they're going to get their hands dirty. Yeah. So that's a different question. Now, if you're someone who believes, like Stanley, that all white people need to be vetted because they can't be trusted, Correct. then I can understand why you would say you wouldn't trust white moderates. But at the end of the day, politicians are politicians. It is what it is. Yeah. I mean, no, Tiffany yeah, Justin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. It's going to, like you said, when you get into politics, you're going to have to get your hands dirty, you know. So it's unfortunate, but if that's just the nature of the game, it's not changing no time soon. It's been around for all these years, so okay. that's just how, how it is. I it is what it is and what it's going to be. So, guys, we do have want to get one more caller in. We have Haja on the line. Haja, let your voice be heard. 
Okay. Uh, I heard you talk about the flaws of the candidates for for the uh, Democrats. Uh, so I'm wondering if anybody has any thinks about who the strongest candidate is, because I'm sure Republicans are listening to this program too. And so, uh, um, who do you think is the, are the is the strongest of the candidates instead of you know concentrating on the flaws of the candidates? Thank you. That's a really good question, Hajar. I was going to answer it by myself, but what I'll do is I'll give everyone just one, just give a name real quick. Justin? Kamala. Uh, ooh, Warren. Selena? Bernie, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm personally supporting Elizabeth Warren. I think Bernie Sanders has the best chance because these white boys will get fired up for him and they will mm-hmm. turn out. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that happened was that white turnout was the highest it had been in almost 10 years when Donald Trump ran. Mm-hmm. Now, Bernie Sanders is real shaky with the black folks, and I don't like his stance on reparations, but I think that if he was a nominee, he would win. I'd be much happier with Elizabeth Warren, but I would not be upset if it was Bernie. So that's where I stand. So, guys, we do have to start wrapping up this conversation, and I guess I want to ask you one more question so we can kind of close this out in a way that is productive. Which Democrat—oh, never mind. We just did it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so let me say it this way, just to kind of close out this conversation. We have been through this game a million times. Some of us have been through a couple of presidential cycles. So I've been through Kerry, Obama, Obama squared, and Satan. And now I'm going through this one. And like some of us have been through four or five. Some of us have been through one or two. And they always say the stakes are extremely high. This time, the stakes are extremely high. I I also always say I would vote for a warm bottle of Hennessy that actually had horse pee in it before Mm -hmm. I voted for Trump. And I think that feeling is still the same. But if you are going to make sure you're voting and you're voting in a way that is not just important but informed and with power, make sure you are doing your research. And that means don't just go to people's campaign websites and read the polished, curated stuff they have there for you, but go to to, um, factcheck.org and see how many of their statements are actually true. Go to vox.com and get like some down-earth breakdown of their policies. Can we actually afford to give Medicare for all for all people as soon as someone is elected into office? No, actually. It would take a couple years to phase in, but you know, most of these candidates won't tell you that. Mm -hmm. Can you do this and free college tuition without raising taxes on the poor? Yeah, you could, but you're going to have to take a lot of money from the rich and you're going to have to cut funding from the military. Is that going to be easy? No, it's not. Can you actually give people a thousand dollars a month to live on? Yeah, sure. But where are you getting that money from? And will it take away from other benefits? It is important that we don't just cast a vote this year, but we cast a vote that is filled with knowledge, anger, and direction. Because if we're not directed and don't have a clear goal about what we want to accomplish in this coming election day, the dirty white man will win and the politics of dirty white supremacy will continue to prosper. So with that being said, guys, we got to get out of here. We hope you have a wonderful Sunday. We all go back to work on Monday, or maybe I just do. We'll see you next week.